Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow, today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Yes, it most certainly is, wherever you might be. Big hello to you right across the SCN network. If you're listening to us on radio or if you're checking up on us via the podcast or via YouTube, we do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Johnny Steph, Uncle Steph, Jay Bone, whatever his name is, he's got 42 of them. 0499 736 736 to get involved because he's answering some of your texts in question time a little later on in the show. Hello, buddy. Hey, what's going on, Cam? That was a big week in track and field yes. and uh, looking forward to discussing uh, all of it today. <laughs> what are you? What is this formal type of gear that you're bringing, mate? <laughs> I don't want to hear this no energy flat. You, you're leading right now when it comes to the third person self-congratulator of the year. I don't want you going into your shell. I need Uncle Steph or J-Bone at his most energetic. It's a light. Listen, Cam, it's a, it's a long episode today, man. So I'm just pacing myself. I'm learning from these distance runners, man. You can't go out like a sprinter every week, man. You've got to sometimes take your time, pace sit in the pack a little bit, Cam. And then last hundred, do a Katrina visit and just work my way down that home stretch. So nah, um, I'm sure we'll find reasons to fire up throughout the episode uh, today. But uh, a lot, like I said, a lot of good things in track and field globally, Cam, and looking forward to discussing all well, of them. I am fired up. I am fired up. I've barely slept since Saturday morning Australian time, mainly because Florence, Diamond League, Australians, of course, were going to be there. Jess Hull was a part of a race that essentially is one of the greatest we've seen in recent times. It was the women's 1500 metres. It was last. The whole joint was going nuts. And we've seen a world, re- a world record Yikes. when it comes to the fastest, most dominant woman on the planet right about now. Faith Kip Yagon, yes. you're referring to, Cam. And yes, um, what a run. Uh, you know, it's. I listened to a post-race interview and, and she said, look, um, I've been running well. Uh, I didn't expect to break the world record. My coach and my team have been telling me just to be patient, to go out there, execute my race, and the time will come. And didn't she do that? You know, I mean, at any time, you know, you see a world record in a Blue Ribbon event. This is yes. women's 1,500 metres we're talking about here. Um, you, you take your hat off to he or she, whoever breaks the record. And, and you're, you're correct, Jess Hull is in the same race. But I tell you this, Cam, what's your feelings on this? I watch post-race and... I saw all the girls take a picture with Faith and they're all celebrating world record. I don't know if I could do that, Cam. Now, am I just a bad sport? Am I, am I, am I just cut from a different cloth? Should I, should I celebrate? For me, I'd be thinking, I need that world record. Why aren't I getting celebrated? Am I off here, Cam? I, I'm with you a little bit, Johnny Steph. I understand that point of view, but I also think, and Jess Hull, who I've got to point something out, anyone who comes on this show, Johnny Stephenson, Ends yes. up being a part of something special. Being a part of greatness, Ken. Absolutely. Being a part of greatness. Two weeks ago, Jess Hull, what happens? Bang. Our Australian record. Ken, does our slogan for the show go? It should. House of Athletics brought to you by Chemist Warehouse, yes. where greatness happens. Yeah. Is, it, is that what it should That should be maybe our tagline. You get great savings at Chemist Warehouse and you get great form on the back of chatting to us. I, I don't <laughs> want to take all the credit. Because I think that most of it should go to Jess Hull and her coach in this particular case. But there is no doubt it is a good luck. We are good luck charms, first and foremost. I like to think so. Secondly, I like to think so, Cam. I, I, the good vibrations. Yes. I see your point. I, I absolutely see your point. But I also think there's something, and there's not a great deal of romantic things that are still in professional sports, and that's of, right. of any code. And I think being a part of something as 
amazing as that, and Jess Hull spoke about it, I, it was nice to see. There was Do you think it's generational? About it. Do you think I, it's I think generational? So. Well, I, I think so, because I don't think, and you look at some of those great rivalries in years gone by, I, I don't think, you know, when, you know, when, Seb Coe breaks a world record, I don't believe, and I have never seen a photo of all the men who are in that field crowding around to be a part of it. I, I just don't, well, I haven't seen that before, Johnny. I've never seen it before, so I think the, it has the to only be time in track and field, sorry, Cam, that you see this is in heptathlon and decathlon after these, because they spend two days with one yeah. another competing through all amount of disciplines, and, and I sort of understand that. You know, you, you, you're going through hell and back together over two days, and when it never wins, you end up celebrating. And I sort of get that, and, and the crowd sort of. You take the crowd along with you over two yeah. days, right? They're, they're sort of riding the highs and lows of the event. But I don't know. The, it's just, I don't know. I think it's generational, Cam, from my perspective. I look back when I was competing. If someone broke the world record, we would be absolutely, I mean, I remember Maurice Green, you know, every there was a period of time when Tim Montgomery was breaking the world record constantly. Then Asafa came towards the end of Maurice's career. And every Monday we used to come back post, like I say, a meet like Florence, and Maurice would be prowling up and down the track, the first one at training, and he'd be, he'd be saying, man, I'm breaking that world record. How dare he? Blah blah blah. So maybe it's maybe it's a maybe it's it's the event. Maybe the event that you yes. take. Maybe if you're a sprinter, you're a bit more aggressive. Maybe in distance running. I don't, I don't know. But I just I saw that as much as I think as a father, I think that's fantastic. I think it's beautiful. It's nice. As a competitor, I just question whether I would be a part of something like that. So what I also think plays a little bit into this and Montgomery and and Maurice Green and that, that's a rivalry, right? There is a major rivalry in those events, and it's what sport is built on regardless of what the discipline is there's no rivalry in this race she's so far in front of the rest of the world but that's what i'm saying should should you always feel your competitor is always going to be your competitor whether whether their success is taking food off your table is is that the mentality you should have to be an elite athlete or have i got is that generational have i got a completely I, i think you are right but i also think in this particular case she is so far in front of the rest of the world to be a part and in the race when she does achieve for the first ever time a sub 350 over the women's 1500 i think there is a great deal of excitement to be called in and you've also got to keep in mind like laura muir is great we'll get to the actual race in a split second and jess hull broke the australian record so it wasn't while the photo was centered around faith and understandably there are a lot of people who would want that because there were season best and personal best ran left right and center there it was a hot hot race and by having a photo the memory lasts forever yeah, even though it's centered around the world record and look, like i said look as, as a as a sports lover as a dad yeah. and, and, and and i think it's fantastic yes. but you know the great willie mason i heard him talk on his podcast and he was saying he was disgusted after state origin one watching all the players laughing and talking in the changing he goes what? like you lost yeah. you know where's your pride where where's that feeling you know uh, it, that, that's why i say is it generational um i think you know i think it's a fantastic moment you're 100 correct uh, but i thought i'd pose that question well, uh, as we always I, do we always like to disrupt and challenge what we're seeing cam but without a doubt it was a sensational race you mentioned there jess hull breaking the australian record laura muir again just always nipping at the heels of the kenyans and ethiopians and you know hasn't she done a great job for distance running for 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 great britain so you know i think um you know jess told us on the show what her goals are and how she wants to start being a bit more competitive um, so she prepares for, for Budapest for when World Champions come. And I think this will be great for her confidence. Um, but, geez, isn't Faith Kipiagon so further down the track yeah. than everybody else? And it's scary what she's going to do in Budapest, Budapest a couple of months away. So Abby Caldwell ran really well also. She was sixth. Lyndon Hall was tenth. So we had three Australian young women involved in this 
unbelievable race. The pace was so hot early. This is what I really liked about it, okay? Because essentially Kip Yagen was the one that they were all there for to help with the pacemakers to put them through a time to allow her to run the world record. Laura Muir is extremely high-caliber athlete as well. Jess Hull made the right decision because too often in similar situations we have seen athletes sort of maybe sit back and be conservative and be a part of the peloton and then be able to last have crack she was like okay and she was on the record and i paraphrase she was in no man's land at some point she thought this is damn fast but rather than try and check herself she stuck to her plan which is what she told us a couple of weeks ago but but cam this is what i pointed out cam this is what i pointed out to you on the show and this is what i've admired from jess from day one. I think that's the collegiate running going through because they do so many races, Cam, yeah. that you have no choice but to learn your trade. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what Jess does. Well, what the great Nick Bedeau told me when I was sitting in the stands watching Jess run that Jess always puts herself in very, very good, very good positions in the race and allows herself the opportunity to win. And I think we, she demonstrated that in Florence. And I also think that as you continually have cracks at the biggest races, which these are Diamond League, and we head towards a world championship, and she's an Olympian, and she's been in the Com Games, she gets more confidence in knowing that if she runs a particular race and it fails, so had she have not been able to hold on and run as well as she did on the weekend, and she didn't break the Australian record, as she ran seventh or eighth, she has the belief she's able to rectify it in the next big race because she fits comfortably within the best athlete's in the world, absolutely no doubt. And I like the fact that she backed herself in. She speaks about finding her legs again in the middle of the race. And that race was set up for a world record attempt for the best athlete in the world. Other people have to take advantage of that. And and Jess Hull did exactly that. She was like, you know what? I am gonna do whatever I have to do. The race is set for her to break a world record, but it can also be set up for me to break the Australian record or a national record for whatever country you're from. And she did that. And I was, I was buzzing, Johnny. I, was, I couldn't sleep. I was, I was psyched. It was cool. It was great to see. No, it's a magnificent moment for track and field. And I think it was celebrated worldwide. I think everybody understands what that world record meant. We uh, understand it's a Blue Ribbon event. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I can tell you this, Cam, you know, like, you know, when you, when you put yourself in, in, in fire situations like that, um, it does extreme amounts to your confidence in raising your confidence and it, it, it starts to harden you and you start to become more bulletproof when you put in those situations. And you need that when you get to championships, Cam. You absolutely need this. And Jess Hull talked about this. She said, look, man, I've done my apprenticeship. I've gone to championships now. If I'm not going to these championships to win medals, then I'm going to feel like I've disappointed myself to a certain extent. Um, in roundabout words, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing. I'm not saying exactly what she said, but you can tell by the look in her eye, you can tell by the way she competes that she believes that she's a winner and she believes she should be winning medals. I really like the lights on the inside of the track so we have an idea as to where the world record pace is or the meet record or whatever awesome. it might be. We, we grow, growing up, Johnny, when it's more of a track, uh, more of a swimming probably thing when we're watching it on TV and you have the world record line. It, it's been in TV in swimming for 30-odd years. So that's a great deal of excitement around everybody who's watching it in the yes. stadium or at home. Well, it's a and step it's in the right direction, Cam. Absolutely. I mean, this is what we talk about every episode is, okay, what, what steps are we taking to bring the sport up to 2023? And that's a step in the right direction. It's not the only step that should be taken. Yes. But it, again, it allows the viewer to be more interactive with watching. Uh, you, you can pick up a race halfway through the race and understand what is going on. And I think that's the biggest flaw in track and field when you watch. You don't know where to start. You might p- cover half the coverage. You can pick up a football game, AFL football game. The score's on the top right corner. 
the, the, the quarters on the bottom left corner and you understand that, okay, there's two halves to go or two quarters to go and a team's leading by 10 points. And you can follow a game. And I think that's when you, when you start getting those world record lights, you can follow half a race and go, well, she's on here, let me tune in. And it captivates the viewer. And that's what sport is about. So, um, no, I think it's awesome. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great other events in there France was. as well, uh, Cam. And, and, and I know I made a call last ep. I said that uh, my man Ferdinand from Kenya would win the 100 metres. And, uh, and, but Fred Curley was way too strong, Cam. Um, he's, he's, really, he's really, you know, drawing the line in the sand with the rest of the 100-meter competitors around the world. He's competing a lot, Fred, which is making me a bit nervous. I think every time you compete, you take money out the bank, um, you know. Uh, but I'm sure, look, he's an experienced campaigner. He's got, he's got really, he, look, he's got a great pedigree for fitness coming from a quarter-mile background in, as a collegiate athlete, which really holds him in good stead for a season as a 100-meter running. That's where 100-meter runners normally sort of fall apart towards a championship. So they just don't have enough um, conditioning under their belt. Where Fred, he, he, he competes from 200, from 400 really, all the way down to 100, which then gives him this huge sort of bandwidth for it when it comes to conditioning. So um, we saw Rowan Browning in the same race. Uh, and I, and I, I reckon that would have been a race Rowan would have been building on. I don't think it would have been there. It was a, it was a stacked field. Johan Blake, Trevon Bromel, Keenson Bean from South Africa. Mm. You name them all in at 100 meters. And I think that's great for Rowan. Again, put himself in the fire. Learn how to how to, to to fight championship rounds if you're talking boxing, and that's what they are. Go and down the league at championship rounds, and and start to start to develop your toolkit that you're going to need come a championship. You're going to need these tools, and uh, I think you know Rowan Browning clocked ten fifteen in that run. I don't think you'd be overly happy, but I got a feeling Andrew Murphy and Rowan are sort of sandbagging just a little bit in that race, if you ask me, Cam, and and seeing if they could try some things because they're going to need it come the finals uh, in, at Budapest this year in World Championships. It had a little stumble as well, about three strides into the race at Rowan Browning, so it was a bit out of rhythm in the first... Uh, yeah, but that normally comes, bit. Cam, when you're, when, you're running, when you're running a bit heavy and you know, you've know got a bit of training load in your legs and you're trying something new because your mind's on something else. And yep. When you start making little mistakes like that, it's because you're trying to work on something. Maybe he's working on his acceleration phase and his hold phase and, and you mess up the, the one thing you should get right, which is your drive phase, because he, he's been nailing his drive phase quite a bit through this season. So, you know, that's what I mean. When you look at all these little things, good you pointed that out can we look at all those little things that is happening in the race um it, it shows that they're working on something there and i reckon you, in one or two more races time i think you're going to see Rowan run blistering fast now i'm going to get to a break i've got a question i've got a question about fred Curley that i want you it was a question on the commentary and i want you to answer it i'm going to refresh your memory in about three or four minutes time as we go to the break though i just want to relive it for the people who may not have watch the Florence Diamond League over the course of the weekend or haven't quite caught it. Let's have a little listen to how the 1,500 metres sounded as Faith Kipyagin breaks the women's world record over 1,500, breaks 350 for the first time, and then her words post-race. This is the House of Ats. Women's 1,500 gets underway. Fast pace in store. 350.07 is the time she needs. There's a big screen at the top of the back straight and she's looking up at it and she's on schedule here. She needs to run around 30 for the last 200. She's ahead of the lights. She's ahead of the schedule. Faith Kipyagon, the Olympic champion, the world champion. She's done both of those things twice before, but she's never broken the world record. It's an incredible world record. She's looking a little bit tired now, but she's left the lights behind and she needs to. Faith Kipyegon charging to the line. Is it going to be a world record? Yes, it is. She smashed it. Um, I didn't expect to run a world record. I was looking forward to run a world lead, uh, which was 354, but I didn't 
I didn't expect the world record. This just came as a surprise, and I really thank God. I, uh, I really thank my coach, my management, for coming along and just telling me to be patient and just run my race. Yeah. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Wherever you might be, hello to you. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. John Stephenson and Cam Luke, of course, head to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And, of course, next Monday it closes. The Chemist Warehouse Community Hero. Oh. You've got to get involved. We've got our uh, yes, the link do. of it on our socials. You can jump on Athletics Australia to find out more info as well. The shortlisted nominees to be announced Wednesday. Uh, sorry, Monday, June 19. $1,500 gift card courtesy of Chemist Warehouse. and the $1,500, Ken. Yeah, well, it gets even better. The individual crown, the 2023 Chemist Warehouse Community Hero, except, tell you what, a $1,000 voucher. So $500, if you're shortlisted, 1000 for the winner, and you get $1,500 all up. That's so that is unreal. unreal. Cam, I'd like to think we're a bit of big community heroes, aren't we, Cam? Surely we'll you, you, Mate, you are. There's no <laughs> Surely, doubt. Look what we're doing no for, the, for society. Straight <laughs> yeah. out of House of <laughs> Athletics. Community <laughs> heroes, Johnny Stephen. Now, I've got a question Surely. that I'm relaying and paraphrasing. It was on the, uh, it was on the coverage on the Diamond League the other day, and I found it really interesting because they talk about Fred Curley and you, all the things you mentioned earlier in the show about he's got he's a 400 metre runner. He's is he the only man ever to break 10 for 100, 24, 244? No, for 400 no, he's been, not. There's been a couple that have done. Has it, there? Yeah. There's been a couple that have done. It, yes, Who else there. is there? Wade Van Niekerk is one of them. Fucking, he's broken 44. Has he broken, broken 10? 20 point. And he's broken 10. Okay. Yeah, he's broken 10. Well, he's one of very few athletes. We'll get to the bottom of that. I do apologise for the inaccuracy. But I will tell you this. The question was asked, how fast can he go? Because to win a major Olympic final, you might need to duck into a 9-7 or at least 9-8. Does he have Definitely. that type of leg speed considering he is a 400-metre runner? So the things that work for him in the back end of the 100 metres might also stop him from maybe getting to a time it's in the 9-7. Do you see any relevancy in that? I definitely think there's relevance, and I think we saw it at World Championships last year. He did a lot of his good work late, and I think uh, 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 Bracey ran extremely well. We've seen, um, uh, you've seen Bracey run on the weekend um, in... Jeez, um, it's just off the top of my mind, but uh, he ran 9.93 um, in, sorry, in Montreux in France. Um, and he dominated that race. He looked very well, started well. And he worked through the, through the middle parts of the race. And, and he just, again, you know, where, where Fred Curley has a lot of strength, he's in that last 20 metres deceleration. I think from all his conditioning from a 400, he does a very good job in maintaining very good biomechanics and holding that speed he's generated through his acceleration phase. But I've got a feeling the 100 metres is going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to pick Cam come Budapest. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that um, believe they can win. And, um, and I think there's a lot of athletes that can run 9-7. I mean, Trevon Bramel, he's proven it. Christian Coleman, is, he's, a, he's a proven winner. Um, and then the list continues. I mean, we talked about um, our boy from Italy, um, uh, Marcel. You know, we talked about whether he has the ability to, to not be injured and win. Um, and the list continues. You've got all the collegiate athletes that are coming out that are breaking through that, that, have, that have the same ch- chance of winning. So um, I, think, I think Fred will have confidence. I think what Fred's doing is the right thing he's doing. He's racing, building confidence, and, and drawing the line in the sand that I'm the guy to beat. Um, but I do think it's not going to be as easy for him come World Championships. And one mistake is going to cost the winner. 
whoever and the winner will be. Now, that is that is the big question, isn't it, though? Because uh, he is laying it down already. There's there's a great deal of ego and yeah. bravado and chest thumping and all the rest of it, which, is, it. which makes the 100 metres so great. And that's, that is something when you've got the, when you know, when you go to Diamond League and we spoke yeah. about, of course, a couple of men who haven't been there yet. But the yeah. very fact is that he is going to have the confidence and have that to lean on when they get to the Worlds. Definitely. And I think we're so used to, you know, you're saying Bolt can make a mistake in a race and still win. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the 100-meter runners in this era have that ability and have that have that option to do that. The last one was Carl Lewis before you saying I felt could make a mistake and still give you, we could still believe you, he could make a mistake and win. Um, we saw Noel Lyles run the 200 meters in, at the Jamaican Invitational um, last weekend, and Usain Bolt was down there to congratulate him around 1967, which is blistering fast for 200 meters. And I think Noel Lyles, the only other track sprinter at the moment, which is, uh, like you said, Cam, is, is, is becoming a showman of the sport, right? And, and, and trying to promote the sport um, so he can cross over different demographics to bring attention to, to himself and not only himself, but the sport. And I think, you know, Freddie's doing the same thing by the finger, number one salute across the line, the silencing of the crowd, and just that part of Fred brings with him, which I think is great for our sport. Um, but Noah Lyle's closing speed, sensational we'll know around the 100 and 200 at, at, Olymp- at world champ trials this year who knows um but I, but i do think cam um like i said i don't think any of these athletes can make a mistake and still win um i think they're going to have to get everything right in order to win 100 meters i do think Aaron knight ran sensational on the weekend as well um young kid who came second no lulls at at uh at uh, world trials last year um and you know he's He's a gun. I mean, he, he they, they were, they were uh, tagging him as the next Usain Bolt, you know, in the 200 metres. So, um, the, the sport... I, now, Cam, I did think this, right? I thought this on the weekend. I was getting all these results in. I think the sport of track and field, results-wise, is in a, in, in a sensational place across the board. We're talking sprinting, distance running, and field events. And, it, it, you know, this is where your and our gripe comes, where it's like... These results and, and, and need to be promoted. People need to know about what's going on with these because the, the era of track and field as far as results mm-hmm. is amazing at the moment, man. Both from both from high school, collegiate, all the way to pro running. We're seeing some sensational athletes do amazing things. This is another but Sean Jackson, his young daughter, but Sean Jackson's a four hundred meter hurdle great from America. He's won world championships, I think, back in two thousand and five in Helsinki. I think he won in the rain there. Um his daughter's eighteen. And or well, under eighteen, sorry, and just ran 10, 10, 9, if I'm correct, on the weekend. Ten nine. Ten nine. A young flying. kid just jumped seventeen meters in 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 triple jump, you know, and he's under eighteen. I mean, and he goes to I think he goes to University of Arkansas. This young kid, um, the, the the result across the board, we're seeing phenomenal athletes at young age all the way to pros. So the sport's in a very healthy, healthy place when, t- when you come to results at the moment, uh, Cam. Absolutely. Now, I do want to correct myself and uh, apologise to uh, Van Niekerk, who you did mention, and Michael Norman, the reigning correct. world 400-metre champion, because there are three that have got the, uh, the sub-10, sub Can I just say this, Cam? Club. It takes yes. a quarter mile to dominate all three. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> well, I just want to say it takes a quarter mile actually, to a do good, that. There's a good question coming yeah. off the text line, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, so there you go, Van Niekerk. But Ma- Michael Norman won the world title. Correct me if I'm wrong here. And no longer runs 400 metres. He, he won the world title. While well, he's training with the great John Smith, my ex-coach, um, he's made the change from Quincy Watson. Quincy Watson's a great uh, legend himself, winning the Barcelona Olympics in 1992 in the 400 metres. Um, and I think it's, I think, I think, 
Ooh, I shouldn't be saying this, but I don't think it was the right move for Michael Norman to make this change. I think he should have stayed with Quincy. Um, I think my coach is one of the best coaches in the world, but it takes time to understand the John Smith system. I think it takes a good couple of years. And with Paris around the corner, I wouldn't have made that change right now. Um, is Michael extremely talented? Yes, he is. But John Smith, when it comes to brace tactics, when it comes to technique and biomechanics, he's second to none. He is. He just, John has a unique skill of just getting you ready for championships. And I think Michael has been missing that a little bit. I think he runs, he gets into a championships full of confidence from his one day meets and falls apart at a championships where he loses that belief to be able to run a heat semi and final. But he was lucky just to win last year in the 400. He should have dominated that 400 in the final in, in Oregon last year, but he just managed to hold on to win. I think John will fix that, but just learning the John Smith system is difficult. I don't know what event he's going to pick. I actually did want to call my coach and talk to him about it, say, is he going to run the one, the two, or the 400? Maybe in the next couple of weeks I can get the answer for you, Cam. I think the best thing for Mike will be to concentrate on the quarter. I think that 100 metres is just... I don't think he has the ability to run 9-7, like you said, Cam. Uh, I think he has the ability to compete with these guys mm -hmm. because he has the pedigree as the strength from the quarter mile um, and he's a racer but I think when you get to a championship you have to have that final bullet in the gun which is that 9-7 and that ability to run 9-6 to win now, well, uh, my belief is that he's running the 100s that he's given the 400 up now I hope I'm wrong because it's exciting to see him do this and this actually I, I want to raise this with you Johnny Steph and you tell me if there's any way this could legitimately ever happen if this change was made, and I, I've had this discussion maybe with you before. If, if the Olympic Games or World Championship program allowed it, could somebody have a crack at the one, two, and four in the same two-week period? If we had a two-week <laughs> Olympic track and field, right? So, because we know we get squeezed out, we say, oh, we can't do this, whatever it might be. Because we are seeing athletes who are at the height. Now, I don't know, I'm not saying they would definitely do it, but could you see someone have a crack at it? I, if we had two well, weeks. If, if we're talking about could our bodies do it, mm -hmm. um, I, I, think, I think your central nervous system will take an absolute hammering trying yeah. to do it, which then makes the feats of Michael Johnson in Atlanta winning the 400 and then winning, breaking the world record running the 200 and winning that um, and running nine races in, in essentially five days. Um, such an amazing feat, right? Um, the one, the two, and the four. I'd more propose this to you, Cam. I think it would be awesome to create a million-dollar bounty. Mm -hmm. um, you, take, you take these sprinters, and you do it over, like you said, whether it's two days, and they run the 200, the, the 100, the 200, and the 400. They, develop, they accumulate points, and the person with the most points wins this bounty, and they're crowned the best sprinter in the world. I like because it. that's sprinting four, two, Absolutely. and one, right? You're crowned the best sprinter in the world. So there, million there's, dollars. There's no doubt, and that's like the heavyweight champion of the world, the strongest man in the world. You are the fastest human in the world from quarter mile down, because that's where that's what they say sprinting is. Long sprint for yep. four hundred, then there's the two hundred, then there's the pure straight line sprint hundred. So a million for the men, million for the women, million for men, million for the women, and we just crown that you are. You are, if, if, there was, if there was a war on and we needed someone to move real quick, right, then you'd be crowned as that person. You're oh. that fastest person in the world. Because right now you say, well, yeah, but I might be the fastest person over 400 metres. And that's what you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. So, boom, there you go. Because I had an idea. I love that. I love that. Because I had an idea that I presented to the, uh, I think it was the mayor of Gold Coast. Was it Tate? <laughs> Is it Tom Tate? Was he the mayor of Gold Coast when the Com Games were on? I apologise if it's not. Uh, in 2000 and 
16, I think it was. Of course, as we were building up for the Gold Coast, we had him on a radio interview. And I suggested to him that they should put a million dollars up and they should try and introduce the 300 metres in the Commonwealth Games and try and entice Usain to go around to 2018 and have Van uh, Niekirk and have them meet at 300 and have a million dollars up and have a part of the Gold Coast Games program. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I don't think that's okay. I mean, there'll always, there'll always, there'll always be some conjecture and and, and, and subjective opinions on if you say in line. Who, who do you reckon would have won over three hundred? Oh, you saying would have smashed it? Really? Without a doubt. Would have yeah, smashed without it? Without a doubt. Well, oh, just oh. buy. Well, just buy mechanically. I mean, you saying you saying wins. You mm-hmm. saying one is a race and knows how to win. Yep. That's what people did not understand about you saying he found a way to win, and that is what you want. If you look, at, let's go back to horse racing. Yeah, hit me. We love the horse that find ways to win. Yes. Cam. they're in positions they can't, and the, the jockey's not even doing. The horse puts finds a way to win. Just doesn't stop pulling to the line. This is this is what you saying did very well, and, and any time you saying puts his dedicates himself to an event, he finds a way to dominate and win. I just think biomechanically he was too tall. Van Nierkirk was a little bit shorter. I, I think it'd be a great race, but I think you saying wins all day. And it takes us back to when Donovan Bailey raced Michael Johnson over 150 meters, was billed as the race of the century. I think that was a million dollars as well. I think it was. Race. And Michael Johnson pulled up lame off the curve, and the great Donovan Bailey. Uh, Strode away to win, and that was bragging rights. So um, there's been these mano a mano matches back in the day, um, and they're great, right? We love them, and, and I think um, if we got to see something like that, the more we see those things, um, the more we can promote our sport, and uh, and and better it is for our sport. Do we do we have a four by one hundred meter mixed relay at the Olympic Games? No, we did it at Nitro. That was yeah. our first time we did it at Nitro. Now they they got a mixed relay now over four hundred meters. Yeah. Um, in, in the games, but I, no, they haven't. I, I haven't personally seen no. a mixed relay in the four by one. Um, but I think it, 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 that's a sensational race. I know at, at Nitro it looked so crazy because a couple of teams had two men starting off, yeah. and they were just light. And then you just saw other teams that, that ended with their men just come home like a like a steam train. You know, it was um, it was awesome to watch again. So. Uh, I know it seems like it seems like we're doing a good job promoting Nitro on this channel, Cam. But but it goes it goes to how you know how revolutionary our sport in this country was, and how ahead of the time we were, Athletes Australia, when it comes to our sport and promoting the sport. So it's a big pat on the back to everybody that was involved, from volunteers all the way to the athletes, all the way to the teams, all the way to our board, and how how well how good we did all the way back in 2017. Just quick, I got I got one question just about you, saying you know him very well. Like was that legit? He was knocking 20 nuggets down before. He was breaking hundred yeah. meter. So that's a le- so. There's no mayo on that twenty chicken McNugget story. There's no GST on that story. The only GST that it is is that people think he did that 365. Yeah, he didn't. That never happened. Okay. Um, Usain had a really good ability to know when it was time for him to get back in the lab and do a lot of hard work. He had a great coach in Glenn Mills, and, and he had a great team around him. Um, and when Usain worked, he worked really, really hard. Um, and his self-belief in what he had to do. He knew what his body needed to be successful. And that's the, that's the trick in this, right? If there was any advice I was going to give young listeners and young kids is know who you are as a person. The way you know who you are as a person and, and when it comes to your sport is by studying the sport, listening to your coach, and going through the trials and tribulations that come with your sport. 
and embracing failure and, and using failure to catapult and understanding it. Don't just put failure in, in, in a box and move on. Understand it, marinate it. And we had this conversation before. Spend time understanding it. People too quick, oh, don't worry about it, it's next week. No, no, spend time in understanding it that failure will catapult you to success. So um, Usain did that very, very, very well. And um, he's, um, but no, he, he, he knew that the Nuggets made him feel comfortable. As yeah. long as he felt comfortable, he was comfortable in the track. If he was comfortable in the track, he, it he worked. beats their ass. <laughs> I've got a question about cash, considering about cash on the other side of this break. We also say 0499 or 0433981116, wherever you might be listening in the country via the SCN network, firing a couple of, Questions for our man, Uncle Steph. Back plenty more on the other side of this. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You can get a text in. Ask Johnny Steph a question. Very simple. 043981116. We'll get to a couple of those in a moment, as well as touching on Paris Diamond League, which is this weekend. But I want to ask you this. Now, I know there's different ways as to why we have well, why athletes put their hand up to be a pacemaker in, in these distance races. Right? Should we mm. have a ten thousand dollar bonus if a world record is broken for the pacemakers who set up that speed? Uh, normally they do do that, Cam. So normally, um, how does it work? The meet director and the yeah. agent and 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 the winner of the race normally come together and uh, and give them. I don't know what their actual fiscal remuneration is, but they give yep. them an amount to say thank you and um, and they're they're definitely a part of the race and and they're definitely one of the main reasons why you do break a world record because it makes it just that little bit easier for you to do. Um, so that that definitely does happen, Cam. Oh well, that's good. Because it, I, I look, every time I see a pacemaker out there and all of a sudden there's a really quick time or a world record like we did see on the weekend, mm. we go to that next level. Hey, Paris this weekend. I, I like the fact that we're, we're backing up and, and we're starting to really roll into this Diamond League series as well. And it's only, what, about four and a half days away, three and a half days away as we get to the long weekend. But Paris, and it starts to set the scene for what's going to happen in you know, 12 months' time. 100%, Cameron. Before we get to Paris, I mm. think we should just make a quick couple of honourable mentions uh, to Nina Kennedy and Stu McSwain. Good point. Um, also competed in Florence um, last weekend. I mean, Nina's finding a form again, um, trained by the great Paul Burgess, who's a six-metre jumper himself, also trains the great Curtis Marshall, who I, I ended up watching his first first jump clearance of 581, which is massive, man. To enter the competition at 581 uh, was just huge. Um, um, on the weekend as well, and you know, I think again it shows the depth of our what our sport has been doing over the last four years under under Andrew Fakeney and the high performance team is is celebrating these younger kids making semis and finals at Com Games in 2018, and then slowly building them to to be competitive at the senior level. So um, we've always been very good historically when it comes to our field events, but it's great to see Nina and Curtis back in action. And I don't know what happened to Stu McSwain. I I actually texted his coach on, on the weekend um, just to catch up and. Um, and find out, you know, what happened in the men's 5,000 with Stewart. I don't know if he's, if he's been hurt or if he's, if he's building, but we saw him on a time of 13-23, which is long from, from Stu's best. And Imam Kater from Spain taking out the win in, in 12 minutes 50, which is lightning fast, you know. Um, I think he's going to be tough to beat come World Championships, Mohammed. So, um, but yeah, you're going into Paris. You're quite right. Um, just quickly on Stu McSwain. You know, a lot of these athletes are going to... Just on Stu McSwain. Sorry, say that again. I was going to say on Stu McSwain, he had a little right hamstring injury in his tendon... Uh, about a month or so ago. So he told me, was, I did speak to him actually after uh, oh. an event about a month ago. So he's building into it. So I assume the weekend was just part of that plan. 
Hopefully. Yeah, and look, look, Stu, Stu knows what he needs to, mm. where he needs to be when it comes to championships, and I reckon Stu will, will make that decision closer to the games on what he does do, but it always sucks, Cam. I think it's really important we give this a couple of minutes and explain to the viewer that maybe hasn't run at a World Champs or Olympic Games. Um, you think, oh, I had a little lamb in these a couple of weeks. No, guys, it, when, you, when you're competing at this against the very best in the world, it, it takes a good nine months to build the complete toolkit to win a medal. You can't just come in there and have these sort of disruptions and think that you can take on the very, 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 very best in the world, which then makes it even amazing you watch athletes like Stu Swain, like a Rowan Brown, like a Nina Kennedy. Um, they make it to a championship under a little bit of duress. They find themselves in a final. That's why you've got to celebrate that. The tenacity, the, the, the skills that takes to run a little bit harder on your left leg compared to your right leg, because you know your right leg's got a hamstring tan, you could tear it again, which will throw mm-hmm. you out for the season, but you know you need a race to sort of build a little bit of conditioning. That's a skill to learn how to do that. You know, that's amazing. So I love doing this show for that this main reason, Cam, because I don't think we've ever had a chance to really, really explain. I think people watch on TV and see point A to point B, run as quick as you can. Or, you know, Point A, point B, throw as far as you can. Point A, point jump as far, and that's as easy as it is. But there's so much that comes along with that. So, yeah, kudos to Stu McSwain. I know he's probably working through that. And going back to my point here about Palestine League, I think for a lot of these athletes, when you get to you before Olympic Games, you love to compete in the nation if you can, that you're going to compete Olympic Games. Not so much to race on the track, but to walk around the city to experience the airport, to experience the air, to experience the, condi- the, con- the, 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 the conditions, to try the food, to find out maybe your local cafe, to find out something that makes you comfortable because you want to make this event as comfortable to you. That's part of being a champion. That's part of doing almost a recce cam that we're going to do yes. for um, the last lap. We've got to go down there and get comfortable cam <laughs> before the games, <laughs> you and I. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to try the croissants. We've got to make sure we create an atmosphere and environment for the athletes that come. And that it's, is a safe space it's and wa- an enjoyable safe space, Cam. And it's warming up. This whole last lap, all thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse, not simply a room and now becoming a legit thing where the athletes are starting to get wind of it and there are genuine belief amongst the Athletics Australia coaching fraternity that this will spur them on to greater heights. If they need that last like that last little drip of motivation to get to the Olympic Games, the last lap, all thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse, is going to do it, Johnny Steph. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you, Cam. And I think <laughs> what's most important is that we're involved. Yeah, that's you know, exactly we're, we're, right. We're, we're, we're bringing this... <laughs> I mean, well, look, Cam, like I said, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, um, you know, I want to have a bit of a debate or fair with you whether we should be putting our names for community heroes, Cam. Oh, if we get this up and running, oh, no, no, th- th- we should be shoo-ins to win I the mean, community, the Chemist Warehouse Community Hero Award. I did enter myself in last week. Uh, I, I've, also, I've also thought that uh, just on this, we should, uh, if you win a medal, you get uh, two free drink cards. <laughs> 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 we'll go to a break. We've got plenty of questions coming in and some really good ones for our man, Uncle Steph. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein, powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Johnny Steph in the house. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Make sure you head into Chemist Warehouse and check them out. I'll look after you. Go and say good day to... Anyone who works in a chemist warehouse, Johnny Steph, they do not fail to help. Now, questions galore off the text, 0433981116, and one of them's come through, in fact, about four or five times. We, we spoke about it, Paris Diamond League. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, we got a bit carried away with the last lap, didn't we? <laughs> didn't we? 
unlike us. <laughs> rightly so, rightly so. Um, no, the Paris Diamond League, yeah, it's, it's, it's built to be the hot event. Um, Sydney McLaughlin, we saw her take on, I mean, at World Champs last year running, I mean, the four hurdles. I mean, that was the race of the meet last year. She takes on Paulino uh, from the Dominican Republic, another 400 metre champion. She ran absolutely sensational in Los Angeles two weeks ago. Um, and we, we normally see Sydney over the 400 metre sticks and and that's normally a pet event, but I know Bobby Kirsty, a coach, really wants her to dominate the 400 as well. Um, I spoke to her, I spoke to a, a body coach and also Bobby, um, they reckon she's ready to drop drop some fire. So um, it's, it's gonna be an interesting race between the two. I think I'm leaning towards Paulina. I, I don't know why, I, I just I just think she's, she's really developed and really coming to her body now. I saw her, look, looked at her at Los Angeles on, and she really looked like she's filled out, she's strong and she finished the race well. Um, so I'm sort of billing Paulina to maybe win that race in the 400 in Paris. You see Jakob Ingebrigtsen taken um, again racing again, which I think is awesome. Anytime we see him on the track, he's great to watch him run. Um, and then the race which I'm also interested in is Grant Halloway taking on Devon Allen. We saw Devon Allen give, a, give the NFL a bit of a try. He left track and field. We saw him sensationally get disqualified at World Champs last year in, in 110 meter hurdles. Wrongly disqualified, I thought, mm. um, on my side. Um, take on the champion, Grant Halloway. So it's good to see that matchup and um, looking forward to the Diamond League. Just slow away, isn't he, Allen? And when you put yourself under a little extra pressure in the 110 uh, hurdles, you have to have everything go right over the last 100. And it's, it's, it's tough. And I noticed that on the weekend as well. No, definitely. And, and I think Grant, it, look, talent-wise, uh, you, know, you know, again, we, I keep using this word biomechanics and sort of the ability-wise. And straight, Grant is the superior athlete in that event. Um, but it's, it's a hotly contested event, not just for Devon and, and Grant um, all around the world. That's going to be an event to watch a world championships. But I think, um, I think Devon's got a lot to prove. Sensational athlete. To be able to cross over, I mean, he did well in his NFL combine tri- trials. Um, but I, 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 think, I think I'll give that race to Grant Halloway. All right, we've got about three minutes, even a little bit less. So these are going to be quick. So these are come off the text, 043398 All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. It's question time. What's the most pressure? And put your name on these as well. We've got numbers, but we need your names going forward. Most pressure you have ever felt? Ooh, that's a great question. Most pressure ever felt. I would like to say 2006 Australian trials because it was it was selection trials for Commonwealth Games, um, and I hadn't won a national championship yet, and I was, and it was cl- really close between myself and Clinton Hill, and everyone and Clinton Hill had a great pedigree in the 400. I mean, he was three, four-time national champion, and I was sort of running my mouth a bit, and I had to back it up. So um, that was probably, and once I did that, it gave me great confidence going into Commonwealth Games. I was like, no, nah, I'm on track, and I wanted to run quick. And I managed to do it. But that, I reckon that was probably the most pressure in my whole career was just having that breakout national championship. Is that your gardener doing your lawns while you're finishing the House of Ashes? Yeah, it sure is, Gary. He's <laughs> coming through. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'll paraphrase here because it's a nice long one. But you spoke about the generational photos and all the rest of it. Question here on the back of that. Um, would you be Instagram friends with your main competitors and rivals back when you oh. were running? <laughs> You've got to be absolutely so kidding me. I do no. not understand that part. Okay. I do not understand that part of the game um, that, that I see these days. I wouldn't want to know you, talk to you. I am out there to take your head when I'm on the track. You are taking food off my table. And that's just how I thought. Athletically, that's how I thought. Once my career ended, I've become great friends with all my competitors because now we can talk about our families, talk about what we were able to achieve and, um, and, and talk war stories. But up until that point in time, similar to war camp, back yeah. in the day with war, they would, they would fight oh. and, and then when the war's finished, everybody moved on and got on with life. You oh. know? And, and that's, 
I don't think anyone's surprised by that answer because it, it sort of goes into what you spoke off the top of the show about the, the photo and the generational. The show's nearly done, so your gardeners, be, the lawn will be perfect for you when you go out to sunbake in a moment or two. I can't believe this. <laughs> I, I literally can't believe this, honestly. I feel so embarrassed. Have you got him a, have you got him a ride on lawnmower at least, or is he pushing the old still around? Oh, mate, I don't know what's going on. I hope he's not ruining my lawn. But, yeah, no, he's taking so long to grow the damn thing in this climate. Oh, no, so, no. Yeah. The good news is we're getting out of here. The show is done. Get involved, 04398 1116. We're going to keep... We're going to open next week's show by you answering. How about this? Power rank the three greatest 400-meter runners of all time. You've got seven oh, that's days. Easy. All right. Well, that's no, easy. No, not yet. Not yet. That is in seven days' time. For Chemist Warehouse, we're getting out of here. Uncle Johnny, see you next week. Love you, mate. See ya.